What is up, everybody? Welcome to episode six of the Powder Blue Review, powered by Blue Wire Pods. I am your host, Michael Peterson. If you guys don't yet, go ahead and follow me on Twitter at Zone Tracks, Z-O-N-E-T-R-A-C-K-S. And you can go ahead and find all of my work over at SB Nation's Bolts from the Blue.com. We've got a fun show today. It's almost July. This is our last show of the month of June. And it's kind of the dead season. And you guys obviously know this when it comes to podcasts and especially football-themed shows. We're all kind of grasping at straws to find a way to bring you guys content you want, content that is uh, engaging, stuff that's just fun and enjoyable to listen to. So today, we're looking towards the future, 2019 season, and getting a head start on the pass-catching groups that this Chargers defense will face this season. And there's quite a few groups that are definitely worth noting. You have, obviously, the uh, in-division rival, the Chiefs. You have the Raiders as well, especially after getting one of, if not the best wide receiver in the NFL uh, in Antonio Brown. Also with former Chargers wide receiver Tyrell Williams going over to the Bay. All of a sudden, that group's looking a little more formidable than last year. With other guys like... The Vikings on tap, the NFC North teams are in there as well. I've got five teams, five groups of pass catchers that I believe are going to be the toughest groups to handle that this Chargers defense has to face in 2019. So we're going to start with number five, work all the way down to number one. So I hope you guys enjoy this list. And then in future podcasts, we will go over other ones like best running back group, best defensive line to face, best offensive line that the defense has to get around and so on and so forth. Let's just get right to the thing. Number five, we have the divisional rivals, Oakland Raiders. So all three wide receivers, the top three wide receivers on this team right now were not on the team last year. Last year, this group had Amari Cooper, this had Jordy Nelson, and Martavis Bryant, who Gruden traded a third-round pick for prior to last season, who didn't even really end up playing at all for the team. Now, if Jordy Nelson hadn't retired this past offseason, this trio might be a little bit higher, because you've got that real veteran presence. You've got Antonio Brown being your, obviously, number one, your true star, and then Tyrell Williams being the burner that can always pop off off the top if people forget about him. On paper, last year's trio honestly wasn't even that bad. Jordy Nelson had been killing it with the Packers. Unfortunately, they deemed him too old prior to 2018, and he he went and signed with the Oakland Raiders. Amari Cooper, we all know, is a very good wide receiver. We all know what he did after he was traded to the Dallas Cowboys this past season, but he just didn't have it click last year when he was with the Raiders. And then Martavis Bryant, we know, can be a dangerous weapon, but he's always hurt or suspended. He can't stay off the ganja and yada, yada, yada. So all of a sudden, that really promising trio became nothing. And obviously, the Raiders in year two with John Gruden decided to just trash it all and start fresh. So they have three new wide receivers. And don't get me wrong, they are dangerous. AB is who he is. Tyrell Williams, we all know as Chargers fans what he can do in the blink of an eye. And according to the Oakland Raiders' current depth chart, whether you use the one on the team site or our lads, which is known for keeping track of every team, college and professionals' uh, depth chart, they have former Cardinals wide receiver J.J. Nelson as the team slot receiver slash wide receiver three. And if some casual fans may not know who J.J. Nelson is, um, he is a speedster. I believe he's 170 pounds soaking wet out of the University of Alabama-Birmingham several years ago. He is a true deep threat. 
And when some injuries happened to some Cardinals wide receivers in 2017, he stepped up, caught. Uh, let me check my notes here. He had 29 catches for 508 yards and just two touchdowns in 2017. 29 catches for 508 yards is quite the yards per catch average. So again, true, true deep threat. Tyrell Williams in 18 and 17, his numbers are very similar. 41 and 43 respectively, 653 last year, 728 the year before receiving yardage. Uh, five touchdowns last year for the year before that. Very, very similar regardless if Mike Williams has been there, you know, taking those uh, targets from him this past season. But Mike Williams obviously didn't do too much his rookie season. And Tyrell still put up very similar numbers. Antonio Brown, though, what a year he had. It, it was sort of a down year if you want to talk about receiving yards and catches. He still went over 100 catches, 104. He finished with 1,297 yards, but he led the NFL in receiving touchdowns with 15. Now, if you guys saw the last stretch where maybe if you had Antonio Brown um, in your fantasy team, he absolutely lit it up those last couple games. He was a big reason why I won my fantasy championship this past year. But 15 touchdowns last year, 9 the year before. I think this group is super dangerous. But it also doesn't have a true threat at tight end. And obviously their slot wide receiver position isn't totally pinned down yet either. They did draft Hunter Renfro, a wide receiver out of Clemson, who's known for just being a crafty route runner. Uh, you know, the whole cliche blue-collar type receiver who just is good at the little stuff, gets the job done without being too crazy of an athlete. And if you guys seen anything about his receding hairline, that's kind of been an inside joke with Renfro since he was drafted this past April. But it's a dangerous group for sure, obviously made this list. If they can find a tight end, other than Darren Waller, we can see how the Waller experiment happens after Jared Cook is now with the New Orleans Saints. There's some potential. But number five on this list is still a good spot. Coming in at the number four spot are the Houston Texans. Now, this group could have easily been at least one spot ahead at number three, but injuries to Will Fuller over the last two years really holds this group back. He's only played 17 games in the last two years, although he's always on pace to have a monster year with Deshaun Watson before uh, one of these injuries knocks him out for the remainder of the season or at least a good chunk of it. This past season, he only played seven games, but his 16-game pace was 73 catches for 1,149 yards and nine touchdowns. This is paired with DeAndre Hopkins, who had himself another monster year with 115 catches 1,572 yards and 11 touchdowns. And just going off on a sidebar real quick, I don't think there has been a more dominant wide receiver all the way around than DeAndre Hopkins in the last two years. So his average last two years is 105 catches, 1,475 yards and 12 touchdowns over the last two years. It's just absolutely insane. And he's still in the prime of his career and I don't think he's going anywhere. So even if this is still just the number four group on this list, the potential is there for when you know the pads come on and that game's actually going on. This group could get super, super dangerous and should scare a lot of people um, come the season. So in their wide receiver three position, they don't have a real true wide receiver three. They also, like the Raiders, don't have a true tight end threat either. The wide receiver three that kind of emerged towards the middle of the season was Kiki QT, a rookie wide receiver from Texas Tech, caught a lot of balls there. He came on super strong. I think his first game was week six against the Colts, where he had 11 catches for 109 yards, did not score in that game. But that's a hell of a way to introduce yourself to the NFL. Had a big game. 
played another six, uh, excuse me, five games, and uh, didn't do so hot. Ended the season, the regular season, with 28 catches for 270, what, 287 yards and one touchdown in those six games. And then in the one playoff game that they had against the Indianapolis Colts again, QT went off once more for another 11 catches, 110 yards, one more than he had against them in the regular season, and another touchdown. So going ahead, you can probably pencil QT in as their slot wide receiver, as their wide receiver three. I think he's a guy that's going to be wildly successful in this offense and will make up for the fact that, again, the only two tight ends really listed on the Texans' depth chart are Jordan Thomas, a former tight end from Mississippi State who was known more of as a blocker, or Jordan Aikens, a former tight end from Western Kentucky University who was at the Senior Bowl um, a couple of years ago. He's actually a pretty decent athlete himself, but finds himself, you know, without the starting job in his first year. Coming in at number three on the list is the offense that the Chargers will face opening weekend of the 2019 regular season, and that is the Indianapolis Colts. Another super potentially dangerous offense, especially with Andrew Luck coming back from his rash of shoulder injuries and throwing for almost 40 touchdowns and kind of proving to everybody that he can still play at MVP caliber level. He has T.Y. Hilton one of the most underrated, continuously underrated wide receivers in the NFL. Obviously took a step back um, without luck running the show. He had less than 1,000 yards in 2017, 57 catches, 966, and just four touchdowns, but found his groove again with his quarterback last year uh, to the tune of 76 catches, 1,270 yards, and six touchdowns. The Colts also added some mass in the wide receiver group, signing former Carolina Panthers receiver Devin Funches, another 6'4 target for Andrew Luck to have some fun with. Um, the last two years with the Panthers back in 2017 was kind of not so much a, a super breakout year, uh, close to it, but 63 catches, 840 yards, and eight touchdowns, which sounds good to me. This past year took a step back. I know Cam Newton wasn't really his his self. Um, that offense really ran through Christian McCaffrey in 2018 but he finished with 44 catches 549 yards and just four touchdowns he's an exciting guy he was a former tight end at the university of michigan with michigan excuse me with a ton of upside athletic upside um, who could really blow it out of the water this year with andrew luck if they can find themselves on the same page and the first group on this list with an actual threat at tight end and and debatable two tight ends if you consider Jack Doyle to be uh, a threat when he is healthy but Eric Ebron this was his first season in 2018 with the Colts and he's absolutely snapped in the four previous seasons with the Detroit Lions um, Ebron only had 11 total touchdowns those first four years in just 2018 alone Ebron had 13 touchdown catches from Andrew Luck Absolutely incredible. He caught 66 passes for just 750 yards, but those 13 touchdowns. The year before, 53 catches, 574, and just four touchdowns. Is this the real Eric Ebron? Was there something in Detroit holding him back? I mean, he still had a gunslinger at quarterback in Matthew Stafford, but for some reason, that offensive coordinator, that uh, scheme just really didn't seem to do much for Ebron. And then he, you know, one year away from. Uh, where everyone thought he was a bust after being taken in the first round years ago, he had this type of year with the Colts. So you got to think Detroit Lions fans are super salty about that. Looking into what they just picked up in this year's draft, they added wide receiver Paris Campbell from Ohio State, who every year there's always that super dynamic, super athletic, almost utility player 
that a team likes to take a chance on. And again, is a tweener, was used out of the backfield, out wide in the slot, kind of everywhere. He was just that player that they knew they wanted to get him the ball in any way, shape, or form to let him do his damage. And it'll be interesting to see how the Colts use Paris Campbell because they've got their outside guys in Funches and Hilton. They've got their inline guys with uh, Doyle and Ebron. So it'll be super exciting what uh, Frank Reich and that offense can do uh, with Campbell and see just how much of an impact he can make in his rookie season. It's not so much like they have to force him into the offense to be successful. You know, they picked him in the second round. It's even if he you know, sits a year and learns, they've still got plenty of weapons to uh, keep that train moving just like they did in 2018. And before we move on to the top two groups of pass catchers on this list, quickly want to throw out a stat line from Jack Doyle's 2017 season where he caught over 80 passes. He had 690 yards and just four touchdowns in 2017. Only caught about 28 passes in 2018 where he was uh, battling with injuries and, and who knows when Doyle's fully healthy for 16 games, what that kind of does to Ebron's production, and whether or not that turns Ebron back into the guy that all Detroit Lions fans thought he was until he came over to Indianapolis. Oh, and one more thing I wanted to mention, an, an honorable mention on this list. They were actually number five before I remember that the Colts added some good firepower and Ebron had his good year. So uh, your honorable mention on this list is the Detroit Lions. And that trio and group consists of Marvin Jones, Kenny Galladay, and Danny Amendola. Marvin Jones had a stellar 2017 when he caught 61 balls for a ridiculous 18 yards per reception that equated to 1,101 yards and nine touchdowns. In 2018, he took a little bit of a step back, but that was due to injuries. He only played in nine games. He had 35 catches for 508 yards and five touchdowns. If you want to extrapolate that to an entire 16-game season, his stat line becomes 62 903 yards and nine touchdowns. Kenny Galladay was drafted out of Northern Illinois University um, two years ago in his rookie season. He showed a little bit of promise, catching 28 passes in a reserve role for 477 yards and three touchdowns. And 18, with Jones going down to those injuries for quite some time, he did step up to be the wide receiver one, and he possibly is the wide receiver one going forward in Detroit. He finished with 70 catches for 1,063 yards and five touchdowns. Golden Tate obviously moved on um, over a year ago. He's with the New York Giants as of right now. And in this offseason, the Lions signed Danny Amendola, who spent one year with the Miami Dolphins in 2018, was with the Patriots before that. This past year, he had a pretty decent stat line, um, 59 catches for 575 yards, did just score one touchdown, so not the absolute best. The previous year with the Patriots, he had 61 for 659 yards and just two touchdowns. He's still a veteran guy, still crafty, can make the clutch catch when needed, but it's either him that I would add as like, you know, the third person in this trio, or there is rookie tight end TJ Hawkinson, who, if you guys do not know, is out of the University of Iowa. He was their first round pick this year in the draft and was this year's John Mackey Award winner for the best tight end in the country in college football. His final stat line at the University of Iowa was 49 catches for 760 yards and six touchdowns, and he actually added a uh, single rush for four yards and a touchdown against their 
um, game in Minnesota. Uh, it was super cool play. Just kind of showed, obviously, the versatility and athleticism that Hawkinson can bring to the Lions. And I guarantee you a lot of the Lions fans are hoping and praying that this is another George Kittle situation where Kittle, while he was at the University of Iowa, was grossly underrated. I don't think he ever caught more than, I think it was 40 passes in a single season. Um, really didn't do too much other than block the living hell out of defensive linemen. And that's what kind of had people up in arms about him. He ended up being a fifth round draft pick to the 49ers. And all of a sudden, fast forward two years, he set the NFL record for most receiving yards in a single season by a tight end, by a guy who wasn't known for catching the ball at all in college. So all of a sudden it's like, okay, so we can't take you know college stats as seriously at the tight end position because you never know what can actually happen when they get to the NFL or they're in the right scheme. So Again, this is probably something that Detroit Lions fans are hoping is the case with TJ Hawkinson. Kittle was uh, the comparison for a lot of people who were scouting this past year. They thought Hawkinson was eerily similar to George Kittle, has the athleticism, was a mauler in the run game, just has the necessary torque and fundamentals to drive defensive linemen over and over and over again, displace them, drive them into the dirt. It was just so much fun to see, and this is the type of tight end that every team should strive to have. And uh, the Detroit Lions have that guy now. So I'm not sure if this is going to be another Eric Ebron case where he never lives up to his potential in Detroit. But uh, for Lions fans' sakes, I hope that's not true. All right, Blue Wire listeners, let's talk about sleep. According to studies done at Harvard and Johns Hopkins University, chronic sleep deprivation has been shown to lead to depression, diabetes, obesity, and cardiovascular disease. We need eight hours of sleep. If you're like me and you decided to rescue a kitten because it's free and you wanted to pair it with your other cat who needed a friend, but all of a sudden your new cat likes to sit on your chest at 5 a.m. in the morning and scream in your face for no reason, then you fully understand how much sleep you actually need. Another big problem? Temperature. It's tough to get a good night's sleep if you're too hot or cold. I want to tell you about The Pod by 8sleep. And no, this isn't another podcast that Blue Wire is doing to teach you about sleep or to help you get better sleep. The Pod by 8sleep is a high-tech bed designed specifically to help you achieve optimal sleep fitness. It was developed by leading sleep researchers after tracking 43 million hours of sleep. It combines dynamic temperature regulation and sleep tracking to enhance your rest and recovery. It learns your sleep habits and adjusts the temperature automatically. That means if you like the bed cool, your partner likes the bed warm, now you can have both at the same time in a crazy, comfortable bed. Sleep longer and deeper so you wake up refreshed and ready to take on the world. To celebrate Independence Day, get a free gravity cooling blanket plus free shipping with your pot purchase, a $300 value free. Offer ends Monday, July 8th. Visit 8sleep.com slash bluewire. That's 8sleep.com slash bluewire. E-I-G-H-T sleep dot com slash blue wire all right we are finally at the top two pass catching groups on this list now i mentioned both of these in the intro about how good some of these groups i was going to talk about are so i'm sure you're probably guessing at who's going to be number one and who's going to be number two this was super close super super close i absolutely love one of them but unfortunately i couldn't put them at number one strictly due to it being a numbers game. So at number two, I have the duo of Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs with their tight end, Kyle Rudolph, uh, the Minnesota Vikings at number two. By far and away, Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs are the best wide receiver duo in the NFL. The only thing stopping them from being number one on this list is Kyle Rudolph. He had 
a similar year in terms of catches and yardage from 17 to 18, but cut his touchdowns in half. This past year, he had 64 catches for 634 yards and four touchdowns. If you had him in fantasy like me, you understand that there was a couple games, far too many, where he just laid a goose egg across the board. Like zero catches, zero yards, zero touchdowns. It just wasn't fun. It wasn't consistent. And consistent's the key word here. You need that consistent threat at tight end to really take your offense to the next level by keeping the defense on their heels because they just don't know who's going to get the ball next because any guy on that offense can obviously do some damage. Among the five teams on this list, the Vikings are number one in catches, second in yards, and second in touchdowns in 2018 alone and across the last two years. This past year, they had 279 combined catches, over 3,000 yards, and 22 total touchdowns. They are also the only group with two returning wide receivers, both with 1,000 yards, and the only group with two pass catchers returning with 100-plus receptions in 2018. To emphasize just how consistent, just how amazing, Diggs and Thielen were in 2018, here are their stat lines. For Diggs, he had 102 catches, 1,021 yards, and 9 touchdowns. Thielen had 113 catches for 1,373 yards and also 9 touchdowns. If you guys recall, Adam Thielen started 2018 super hot. He had 8 straight games of 100 plus receiving yards, which tied Calvin Johnson's NFL record of 8 such games. But Adam Thielen did it to start the NFL season. 8 straight games to start the season with 100 plus receiving yards is his own personal NFL record. To get a little bit deeper with this group, they selected tight end Irv Smith from Alabama in the second round of this year's draft, which gives the Vikings now a legitimate two deep at the tight end position. Without a true wide receiver three, the way Laquan Treadwell really hasn't panned out for him, it's a shame after being a Blitnikoff winner, but he's just not the guy for the Vikings going forward. Irv Smith was a dude at Alabama. He gives them more of a, a move tight end, an H-back, than a traditional tight end the way that Kyle Rudolph is. So I, I fully expect the Vikings to run a lot more two tight end formations, really try to mix it up with those two because we know Irv Smith can handle the rock and catch the ball. In his final season with the Crimson Tide, Smith caught 44 passes for 710 yards and seven touchdowns, making him a legitimate receiving threat to add to this already super dangerous Vikings receiving core. Finally, rounding out this list, it's probably the team you guys all predicted if it wasn't the Vikings, it was going to be the Chiefs. This group is still ridiculous. Now, a lot of this is pending whether or not Hill has a four-game suspension or something longer. Who knows? But this is just working with him playing the 16, expecting him to play the 16, uh, and just how dangerous this offense can be. So this group is first in touchdowns, yards, and second in catches among uh, the five teams I have listed here. It's the only group with a 1,000 receiving yard tight end returning. And when you consider Kelsey's numbers, obviously he puts this group over the top. I mean, to have uh, a tight end put up those types of numbers, and, and really when you look at this, you have Tyreek Hill, you have Sammy Watkins, and you have Travis Kelsey. If you flip-flop you know, Kelsey as the wide receiver too, and Watkins' numbers as the, the tight end, then yes, this, this group looks super, super, super good. In the past two seasons alone, Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey have 19 and 18 total touchdowns respectively. This is also the only group with two pass catchers, both returning with over 10 plus receiving touchdowns from the year before. In 18, Hill had 12 and Travis Kelsey had 10. This group is also the only one with two receivers having back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons from 17 to 18. Hill had 1,479 in 2018, 1,183 in 17. 
Kelsey had 1,336 this past season and 1,038 in 2017. It's just ridiculous what this offense can do. And with a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes, it is just scary, super, super scary to look into the future and imagining having to defend this offense twice a year. And we saw, you know, what can be the future this season. Uh, the first game just didn't look like the Chargers were prepared whatsoever. And then all of a sudden you go to the end of the season and they do such a, a better job of defending this offense, even without some of their starting linebackers like Perryman and Jatavis Brown were not healthy at this time. Neither was Kaiser White, but somehow the Chargers did it and show that they can step up to the plate when they need to in big time games against the Chiefs. In the wake of the Hill suspension, not knowing really what was going to happen to their star receiver uh, before the 2019 season, the Chiefs came up with a backup plan by drafting Georgia wide receiver McCole Hardman, who is eerily similar to Tyreek Hill in terms of the type of game. He is a burner. He's a guy that if you forget about him, if you don't defend him you know, to a T and you let him get a step on you, you're absolutely finished. You're toast. So... Obviously, if Hill is done or misses a lot of time, Hardman can step in and still play that type of role. And there's a real chance, even with Hill uh, not missing that much time or not being suspended whatsoever, that Hardman could overtake Sammy Watkins for the number two wide receiver position if he deems a better fit in this offense than Watkins was in his first season after posting just 40 catches, 519 yards, and three touchdowns. And that wraps up today's list, guys. I really hope you enjoyed this one. If there's a certain position that you want me to do a future list on, um, anything like that, you can go ahead and reach out to me on Twitter at Zone Tracks. You could also go ahead and reach out to the Twitter handle for the podcast at PB Review Podcast. Um, either one works. I will get your message. Um, really appreciate it, guys. This does wrap up episode six of the Powder Blue Review. If you don't already, follow me at my Twitter handle, Zone Tracks. Go ahead and follow the Twitter handle for the podcast that is PB Review Podcast. And if you're on your own Apple iTunes, uh, Spotify, wherever you're listening to this, if you can, give it a five-star review. Subscribe. Let's get this thing bigger. I know you Chargers fans want bigger, better content. This is what I'm trying to do for you. And we got to do it together, guys. This is nothing without you. So I really appreciate it. One more last quick shout out to Blue Wire Podcast, guys. Without them, I also couldn't do this. They're the one foot in the bill, and I can't appreciate them more for giving me the opportunity to have this platform and to enjoy the Chargers with you guys, the fans. So once again, thanks a ton for listening today, and I will be back next week with a special, special guest. You guys will not want to miss that. Again, thank you for listening to this episode of the Powder Blue Review.